Hello, and welcome to Still No Plan. I'm Jordan Granger. And I'm Autumn Webb, and we are so happy you're here. Hello. Hi there. How you doing? I am a little stressed, but that's okay. We're here, so this will be a good happy hour. Exactly. Typical mm-hmm. Monday, I feel like, is always kind of overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I know. It's like, just like catching up. I don't even know why if everyone's out of the office on the weekend. I don't. How do we all have to catch up on Monday? I'm not yeah. really sure. Yeah. I, was, I had like 100 emails in my inbox and I was like, I literally cleared my inbox on Friday. Like what? Where are these coming from? Like, are you guys all logging on at 6 a.m. on Monday? Like, is that something that we're supposed to be doing? I don't really know. Because I won't, so I don't care. <laughs> you couldn't catch <laughs> me doing that, but that's okay. <laughs> I won't be there, but good for you. Congrats. Anyway, what was your treat of the week? My treat of the week was on Sunday. Sean and I went to the beach, and we had a little beach day, and – I started reading a new book called mm-hmm. What's Your New Book? <laughs> I'm like, it's this little book. I don't know yeah. if you've heard of it, <laughs> but uh, it's really, really good. And I know we were talking about before how like nonfiction books can be boring and hard to get through. And like this book mm-hmm. is nonfiction, but because it's like s- written so well and like the his- the way that he puts the history, it-, it makes it feel like it's like a fun fictional read. He talks about how like he wrote another book that I saw in a store that I didn't realize he wrote another book um, about like post. I think it's about like AI. Yeah, I know he had Sapiens two. I'm not sure if that's, but it's like an extension. It was. Well, maybe he has multiple books. Then he's just he's an well-established author. He was very smart. Those are good treats. Mm -hmm. I love a new book. My little treat is that last week I went to a new therapist. Mm. And I was so adamant about taking my time, finding the right therapist. And I think she's going to be a really good fit. She also does a six-week trial period, which I really like. So, like, she's like, I say, like, we do. you basically do the consultation. And then she's like, let's schedule six weeks. And then we'll chat in six weeks and be like, is this working? Is our styles going well? Or should you find someone else? Um, which I think is good because it, like, automatically gives you a break. Um, instead of just like having to do it on your own, like, Hey, actually, I don't think this is working for me. So that's wonderful. She's in my insurance. She is a woman, which I really wanted. She's in person. She's on like in my literally eight minutes from my house. So very like best of all worlds, exactly what I was looking for. So I'm really happy because all my hard work and therapist dating has paid off. Mm -hmm. I literally sent like a hundred emails and just got ghosted by most of them. So it's been a lot of work, but I found a good therapist. I love that she does the six-week trial period because you're supposed to give someone more than one shot. Like you are supposed to do like four or five episodes to see if you guys have a good chemistry. And it's so awkward if you do more than like two and then you know that you're not really feeling it. Like it's mm-hmm. very uncomfortable to like ghost a therapist or yeah. – and it, this like p- makes it perfect so that, you know, if you do like her but there's a few things that you want to change, like you can bring it up versus like – if you did like her, but you wanted those things to change and she didn't have this like forum for you, then you'd be like, I don't know how you'd bring it up. Like, hey, actually, yeah. like, can we change styles a little bit? Like, I don't know. I feel like it's so, yeah. so uncomfortable. And also, it's so hard to find a therapist. I've been trying to find one. I've emailed so many, like you said, and mm-hmm. they don't respond to me. Or like the ones that do are like, oh, or $200 a session. And I'm like, but – 
but I have insurance. <laughs> like it says yeah. you take it. Like I don't. So yeah, it's a whole. I've been out of therapy since January, and I'm like, I want to be back in therapy now. Like now, mm-hmm. it was a good couple month break, but now I'm like, it's time to go back. And yeah, it's hard to get. Back. They shouldn't make it so hard. If mental health is bad, how are you going to push through to find a therapist? It's literally because there's like a huge shortage on therapists. Like there is a really mm-hmm. high demand and not enough actually like therapists. And then especially if you're limiting by like, I think there's like there. There are good like online resources, but I don't want to do virtual. Like if you have restrictions, Mm -hmm. then it makes it even harder. But I do think like, I mean, you've had a pretty good experience with therapists, but you also have had ones that you don't like. And I think for me, for this one, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to settle. Like there was a lot of times where I was like, oh, maybe I'll do like better help or something like that, like for a while. But I was like, if I do that, then I'm just going to have like, a bad solution and I'm not going to feel like I have to do the work to find the right solution because I like have this filler, but it's bad. And so (laughs) I am glad I didn't settle and I would recommend not settling, but it is hard. But my treat was that I went and it was wonderful and she was great. I think she's going to call me on my shit, which is good. And I also like, I'm obsessed with mental health and over intellectualize my mental health. And so she seems very smart and Mm -hmm. like, well, well versed. And so I think she'll challenge me, which is important. Yeah. I think also what you're saying about limiting, like I limit my search to therapists with PhDs because me and you both over-intellectualize ourselves that like my experience with therapists without PhDs is that they just, I know similar amounts to them. And I'm like, I need to know a lot, a lot more. I need you to know a lot more than me. And um, yeah. I could also just come from experience. Like I, I think the problem is that sometimes there are, there are therapists out there, but in my search, I found a lot of them are just like a little too young. And so it feels mm-hmm. like I'm just getting coffee with a friend and that they're just like yes manning me when in reality I want like a therapist yeah. who's going to be like calling me. My, like my last therapist, he was like, you say you want X, Y, and Z, but none of your actions line up with that. And I was like <laughs> – Okay. Yeah. Damn, I yeah. didn't I didn't think that I was doing so poorly. Yeah. <laughs> we could I do know. a I, a therapist. It's so fucking hard. I know. I was just gonna say I think we should do that. <laughs> like our experience. I'm gonna take a note. Like one of these <laughs> should be our therapy experiences and finding a therapist. But good news is I have someone for at least six weeks. So what is like something you've been reading or watching? I mean, you kind of said this, if you want to do Sapiens or you could do something else or listening to in the past week that you think was just a good resource. I'm going to stick with the Sapiens. It's been really fun. I've read like over 100 pages in the last two days just because I'm like so invested in it. And it's just cool to learn about why we are the way we are. And also like so much of it is about how our human brain has not adapted to live in the world that we live in today. And we we were never at the top of the food chain. And so like to get to the top of the food chain, you, it normally takes like millions and millions of years of genetic mutations to get there. And we never got that. We just like made tools and we were like, boom, we're the best. And so because of that, we have like ancient brains in this modern world, postmodern world that it's hard for us to function in. Like it's not natural for us to function this way. And so it's like comforting to know that it's not you have a problem if you're struggling to live in society. It's like, no, humans just Mm -hmm. aren't meant. We're not designed to live this way and we won't be for millions more years. It's been a really fun read. So I like that one. Yeah. I want to read that next. So you send it to me when you're done. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard really wonderful things. I'm reading The Midnight Library 
which is really good. Um, it's a fiction about this girl and it's like basically there's like a library between life and death and you can like see how your whole life plays out in all, with all these different choices. There's like every book is like a different choice that you made. And that's not spoiling anything because that's literally what's on the back of the book. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, this girl like goes to her library and explores her life and it kind of is like it's kind of like the alchemist where there's like pretty clear life lessons throughout the story like it's very clear that it's trying to teach you and like explain things. Um, but I still really like it and it's really entertaining and it's kind of like a little bit philosophical, but like a really good story and just a, an all around good book. So definitely recommend the midnight library. It's wonderful. I know Allie was reading that when we were in Idaho and she told me about it and I thought that sounds so good. And then I went to this bookstore and I was looking for it and they didn't have it. So I kind of, I forgot about it, but That'll be next my, my next fiction buy because that sounds fun. We can book swap. Oh, we got a little book club going. We always say we want to start a book club yeah. and we somehow never yeah. are able to. <laughs> we need to have a Facebook page for the book club. Maybe we'll do it with our listeners. Yes. Maybe we can do that. A resource page. Yeah. Like, that would be books. so fun. That would be really fun. Speaking of fun, today yeah. – I have put together some info on play and basically just like a guide on what is play, how do we do it, and how can we incorporate it more into our lives just because I feel like in our society, we play when we're little and then school just like trains us out of it. And as an adult, like I don't even like the word play because I feel like it sounds so juvenile and I feel like a lot of people listening are like, I don't need that. Like I go out to the bars, like that's my play, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And that's totally fine. Like going to the bars, drinking and dancing is a form of play, but I think it's the same with like your nutrition and the way that you're eating. Like we need to be eating a lot of different types of veggies and fruits to like have gut biodiversity and same with play. Like we should be doing more than one thing that we think is fun to fill our lives and fill our time and be fulfilled. So I thought mm -hmm. it'd be fun to do a whole episode on how to have fun. <laughs> Yay. Especially because that was like kind of the whole reason why we even started a podcast in the first place was to figure out how to have our lives filled with more fun things that are fulfilling that we, I don't know, can look back on and be like happy or proud of ourselves for taking part in mm -hmm. these like fun activities. And it's something that me and you struggle with is we take on hobbies and then we make them not fun. <laughs> we make a fun thing shitty somehow. And so maybe this yeah. will help anyone else who makes a fun thing shitty and puts too much pressure on themselves. Makes <laughs> a fun thing shitty. Yeah, that's so true. And I love what you said about like the diversity of it because I think mm -hmm. that's a big thing. Like, yeah, you can be going to bars and socializing and like doing, you know, that type of fun. But like having a well-rounded view of fun, I feel like just fulfills your life so much more. Also, like, you know, as I don't drink as much, I – do less of that and a lot of people are like oh your life must be boring but it's like not because that's only one part of like my whole week mm -hmm. and I think that if for some reason like if if your fun is always working out then like you get hurt and you can't work out then like you're miserable it's like if you only have like one option of where you're finding your fun then like all of your happiness is riding on that thing mm -hmm. yeah exactly I also like trying new things is like how you stay young. And so it's really mm -hmm. important that we 
try a new hobby. Like there's so many things that I'm like, oh, I want to do it. And I just never do it. Like, oh, I want to do a cooking class. I want to do a sewing class. Like I want to do a book club. I just never do these things. And so this can be a start. Like first identify what fun things are for you. But basically we can just start with what play is, like the definition of play. And a lot of this is coming from Stuart Brown. He wrote this book called Play. And he's kind of like the main lead researcher in play just because if you didn't know, there's not a lot of funding being given towards um, researchers wanting to learn about play. <laughs> so a lot of it kind of comes from him and his team. Basically, he defines play as something that we do for the sake of nothing. The only thing that we're getting out of play is joy, to lose sense of time, to have fun with people, to connect with people. Like There is no real purpose. It's not to be productive. It's truly just to have a good time. And I know a lot of people heard about the concept of flow. And I think that deep play in a really good play session can be kind of interchangeable with the concept of flow. It's something where you're so immersed in that you kind of forget the notion of time. And like I was saying at the start, I don't like the word play just because it doesn't, I feel like we only think of children when we think of play. And in reality, play is everywhere. Like a life without play would mean we're not making jokes, we're not flirting, there's no games, there's no movies, there's no music, no sports. Like I if you try to imagine a life without play, there wouldn't there wouldn't be one. And so I think even as adults, we all take part in it, but like we were saying, it's just like we don't have the diversity. Like maybe our play now is only socializing. And like that's cool, but there's more like physical, mental, like it doesn't need to just be socializing. When you were saying like imagine a life without play, I was like, oh, it'd be like a prison. But then I thought about it and I was like, no, they even like prisoners have time to play because they know how important it is to like the development of a human being and like being mm -hmm. a happy, well-balanced like human, you need to have some form of play. Um, so yeah, that's, that's interesting. I love what you're saying. It like breaks the bounds of time mm -hmm. and like you get lost in it. But also like all animals play. It's not even just humans. Humans are actually like the most playful and we stay playful the longest. We're playful throughout our entire lives. But every animal, most, I mean, even like ants and bees, they see play behavior in them, which is really cute. And there was this study in rats and basically they had one group that was allowed to play with each other and one group that wasn't allowed to play. And then if you put a collar with like a cat scent in, in both of them, Obviously, both rats would flee and they would hide because they're scared of the cat and they know to be scared of the cat. But then when they remove the collar, like the group that wasn't allowed to play would never come out of hiding. They would just die. And the group that was allowed to play would slowly come out and explore. And I'm like, that is so sad that just because they couldn't play, there was they were too scared. Like, I don't know what it is in their brains that they didn't come out, but they all just died. Like... Well, like they probably also didn't have anything pulling them out. Like they're like, no. if the only feeling that I'm feeling is like aversion from that thing, I have no motivation to like do anything else. Mm -hmm. I always get so sad about those things. I remember in Millie's episode, she was talking about like the meth rats that like <laughs> one of them had a playground and one of them didn't. And I was like, I can't believe the rat didn't have a playground. <laughs> <laughs> rats are like smart obviously there's a reason yeah. why we compare we we do so many studies on them like their their yeah. brains work in a way that is similar enough to ours that we draw conclusions from research about rats so it is 
sad that we do this, but it's important because at least we're we're learning. But also, basically, this kind of leads into why play is important. And basically, play is like a foundational brain circuit, and it's like a primary biological need similar to hunger, to sleep, to sex. But unlike hunger and sleep, it's one of those things like sex more so when you're stressed out and you're not eating properly, you're not sleeping enough, you're overworked, you're going to drop those things first. Like your sex drive is going to go down, your play drive is going to go down because all you want to do is rest and eat. Like that's all you have the energy and the space for. And so I think this episode is really important because a lot of people probably that are like our age just starting to work are feeling overwhelmed at work maybe. And then they're so tired from work, all they have energy for is to like have a drink or to go to sleep or watch a movie. Like they don't even have the energy to make themselves play. But I think it's important that we force ourselves to get into play because then when you start doing that, maybe you can have more energy for more things and like it can kind of revitalize other areas of your life. And basically they show in these studies that a lack of play can lead to depression, poor adaptability, a lack of empathy, poor impulse control, addiction. Uh, mood drive behavior, and then also violence. And honestly, if you think about it, like a lot of violence in schools or like, you know, school shooters, they're probably like isolated socially. They're not playing well enough. They don't know how to play properly. They're not playing at home. Like it is crucial to our development and and to learn how the world works to to play. This Stuart Brown talks about in his like TED talk. He's like, I think on playgrounds, kids should be allowed to hit, kick. They should be allowed to insult. They should be allowed to do whatever because that's where you're testing the limits of society. Like as a band, this the group will ban you from the group if you are the only one that's bullying and mean. Like the goal is for everyone to get along. And so the group will banish those who don't partake. And so if kids are allowed to learn on their own and test those boundaries, they'll slowly learn what is appropriate and what's not. And like we've all had that where you see a joke that's definitely like wrong <laughs> or like you, yeah. you know, you took it too far or like you hurt someone's feelings and then you know, like you learn not to that kind of joke again and you can learn how to edit the joke so it's appropriate next time. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's crazy. No, I think that's so interesting with kids. And I was going to say earlier when you were talking about animals, like I feel like a lot of animals play, like animals play fight. Like it's like baby deer. Like they know that they eventually they like will actually fight in like a very violent way and like for territory and women and all of those things. But they, when their kids just like, like kind of harmlessly play with each other and like mess around play. And it is, it's like a way of mirroring what is going to happen and like comprehending what's going to happen in like a lower stakes, lower threat environment. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that does, I don't think we should have like children punching each other all the time, <laughs> but I do get the philosophy behind that. That's really interesting. I understand the boundaries of a playground, but I also like like <laughs> I, I understood where he was going with it and I thought that it was like a funny thing to think yeah. about that he's like, it should be mayhem on the playground. <laughs> yeah. Little chaos on the playground. <laughs> Absolute chaos. Also, he talks about these play archetypes, which we were like in our Chelsea episode, we were grilling her to <laughs> to tell us all of them, but she didn't remember all of them, so I wrote all of them down. And Great. I think these are so fun to just kind of see where you, where you identify with. And it's – I think I'm like all of them. I don't know how you can just pick one, but there's also like a quiz you can take so that you can see what percentage you kind of line up with. And so we'll go through them. I already know which one you are. To start, there's the collector. So the collector is someone who their 
play. It comes from like collecting objects or experiences. So maybe someone who travels the world to like see solar eclipses, they you might think that they're a different play type, like an explorer play type, but actually like their joy is coming from collecting, viewing the solar eclipse and collecting the experiences associated with that. So someone who's like, maybe you could be a collector if you're like a concert enthusiast where like you want to go travel the world to see a bunch of different concerts and stuff like that. And then there's the competitor, which competitors are not just going to play the game. They want to win. They're the ones who are sad if they don't win, but not even just sad, like angry if they don't win. They don't want to keep playing if they're not winning. <laughs> like they, You could also be a competitor even if you don't play a sport, like just if you intensely love watching sports, like huge football fans. You know, this can be – you might be a competitor play type in that way. I know some people who are so into sports that like they won't even – talk to you if their team loses for the next day (laughs) it's like Mm -hmm. don't talk to me I have I had a bad day now like they ruined your day (laughs) um so that's a competitor then there is the creator or the artist and for them they just love making things so maybe it's painting or woodwork or pottery or furniture or knitting or gardening like their joy is to make something whether it's like functional or beautiful Um, Or even just like taking things apart and then putting them back together. That can be part of it too. And so that's the creator. And then there's the director. Director plays by planning and executing scenes and events. (laughs) And though many of them are unconscious of their play style, they just love to make things happen. They're born organizers. And they are the best party throwers and trip planners. And obviously when I was writing this, I was like, that's Jordan. But it's funny though, because <laughs> you are the director, but then you make it hard on yourself. And then you <laughs> then you hate everyone because you're the director, but then you also love being the director. <laughs> that is true. But it's like how I play in all other ways. Like I enjoy the thing and then I ruin it because I make it miserable for myself. <laughs> I know. No, I definitely I'm- resonate with that one. Um college i I literally wrote like in parentheses jordan all caps (laughs) (laughs) then there is the explorer and so the explorer can be like physical going to new places or searching for new feelings or even like deepening familiar feelings with music or movement um it can also be mental like researching maybe you just like love learning about certain topics or something specific or seeking out new points of view and then There is the Joker, which is like your stereotypical player, your comedian, someone who's like the class clown. They love to crack jokes. They're always thinking of pranks. And there is the kinesthete, which is someone whose play is through moving their body. And most athletes are kinesthetes. They want to push their bodies, feel the result. Competition's not their main focus, though. That's why it's different from the competitor is that like they just love moving their bodies and Obviously, the competition can be a part of it, but that's not their main goal is not to win or to compete. Then there is the last one is the storyteller. And basically for them, imagination is key. So they could be novelists or playwrights or screenwriters, but or even some of them find their greatest joy in like reading novels or watching movies. But basically imagination is like their play point so they can even make something like playing tennis they can turn it into like this creative like 
other world that you're taking part in. I don't know. You know when your parents are like, they come up with all these situations of like, my team is doing this and each point is one, I don't know. You know what I'm saying, right? And so mm-hmm. they make games like that. Even if it's not necessarily like they're not a writer, they might be someone who likes to bring imagination into a lot of other typical typical games. And but yeah, I feel like all of these, I'm like, I definitely, there's a few that I know that I'm not, but I'm also like, I'm a little bit of all of them. And so that's why I think it's important to know all of these so that you can be like, I'm going to, if this is my main one, I want to sign up for a few classes that maybe stretch my play. And maybe I do a couple other things and like play around to see what are your favorite things to do. I definitely feel like you are the kinesthetic. <laughs> whatever that one was that one <laughs> the kinesthetic yeah <laughs> I don't remember what it was but that one I because honestly part of that is because like right when I thought that like I feel like there's competitive obviously very competitive elements to like dance and dance team but I feel like a lot of dance and dance team the fun of it is like in the actual dancing mm-hmm. and you're obviously a dancer and like your heels class like you're not trying to like win but like you're mm-hmm. like doing that so I feel like that's one for you Creator. I feel like though mine is more so in that realm, like the artist and like performer, because all of mm-hmm. all of my things are more so like I love dancing because I love putting on a show and I love like yeah. performing for people. Ice skating is a performance. Like mm-hmm. I loved being a part of musical theater growing up, which is like performing. And so I feel like more so the artist, but then also I just love moving my body anyway. So I feel like I'm so many. I'm like, I can't just pick, I don't want to just pick one. I feel like it's good to know though, like you were talking about earlier, like, oh, here's the breadth of things that apply to play. Mm -hmm. And like, maybe if I'm leaning too heavily into this one, like I should explore some other ones and like see what is bringing me joy right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think like when you're in high school, especially you're kind of, if you're at a competitive level for anything, you're like forced to like pick that thing. Mm -hmm. And so like I played soccer and then my first season was like soccer training and then it was like club and then it was high school. And so it was like always centered around soccer. So like things like performing, I didn't do as much because I like literally just didn't have the time for it. So I do feel like, like you were saying, you get taught out of having a breadth, but like when you're an adult and you have free time, like why not do a bunch of different things mm-hmm. and like fill up your time with things that bring you joy. And I love, I mean, you and I text each other this all the time. Like when we're stressed about the podcast, we're like, podcast is fun. <laughs> and it's, I think it's important to remember for any of these things, like you can know that something is fun for you and then put pressure on it and ruin it. Mm-hmm. And like, it's so easy. And I think we do that with like everything, but it's really important to note, like, oh no, this is for fun. And like, this is playtime and it's okay. Like nobody's going to die if anything goes wrong. So like, let's just enjoy it for what it is instead of like worrying about the outcome or like whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I feel like we make things with like dance. I mean, with like horseback riding and soccer or like ice skating, I feel like those are things that maybe we make shitty because we excelled at them before and now we're like don't have the same bodies and don't have the same athletic abilities. So that is where it gets not fun. But then I just – I don't know how – something pivoted in me for skating. Like now I have fun skating. I don't really know mm-hmm. what exactly changed in me. I think a lot of it 
was that I started to feel more comfortable and I just started going more. Like I just pushed through that like awkward phase of not not feeling as comfortable as I used to be on the ice. And but I think a lot of us making it shitty it comes from like the the desire for an outcome. Like that's the mm-hmm. we're literally the opposite of play. To to have something count as play is for it to have no outcome. So then when you put pressure of an outcome on it, that's where it becomes not fun. Like the podcast yeah. when we put pressure for like a certain amount of downloads or followers, like that's where we stop having fun because we're like mm-hmm. outcome driven instead of just being process driven. And like, mm-hmm. this is fun that we get to talk and talk way more all the time about cool things. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I feel like just really focusing on the here and now and not thinking about what the outcome is, is the way to make things not be shitty and make them be fun. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think like also there's like an expectation situation like with in the beginning if you're expecting yourself to like be good at the thing, mm-hmm. it's going to be hard. And I do think just in general, like starting up, re- re- learning something new is kind of hard and frustrating in the beginning. And like, it takes a little bit before it's fun. So I do think it's important if you're trying out something new to like not get disheartened by, you know, the beginning few times where it's like awkward and you're in a new situation and you're meeting new people. And there's so many like new things that are happening Mm -hmm. that you're just like, ah, they're just like, I'm uncomfortable. But it's like, get through that and then it'll be fun. It's also like, we talk about this a lot though, how there's like a certain level or degree of uncomfortableness. That's good. Like Mm -hmm. pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone to go to a class or to talk to people at a class or to even sign up for the class, maybe not even go, but you just sign up for it. Like those are the kind of good butterflies and good anxiety that you want to have. Like that's what makes life fun to try new things. And if you stop trying new things, like you, then what's, what's the point? (laughs) And you know what every day is going to look like every moment. Like Mm -hmm. that's where you get bored and midlife crises happen. Like we have to constantly be trying new things. I think something helpful that he talks about in order to like identify what kind of play you want to start taking part in. If you're someone here, like all I do is work and hang out with friends. Like I don't know what else there is to do outside of that. He talks about like writing your own play history out. So Mm -hmm. like thinking about going back as far as you can in your childhood and think about the most clear and joyful, playful images you have in your head and like combine those moments and then you can kind of connect the dots onto how those moments, how you incorporate them into your life currently and like what are the things in your life currently that you have the most fun doing and how can you kind of like bring back childlike tendencies into your current adult life. So like for me, it's like skating and dancing and acting and singing. And so I'm like, how can I bring these into my life it's really important to like take note of where you used to have fun. And I remember when we took that creativity class, I didn't even realize how creative I was. And then I like thought back and I was like, oh, I used to like love writing for like no purpose other than writing like a story. Mm -hmm. And like I loved theater and like performing arts. And so I think when you start to think all the way back, you're like, oh no, there's a lot of things that I do that are fun. And like, even like one of the, I mean, exploring, like I'm definitely an explorer and I love going to new places. I also think when we, when you do something like drink all the time, because drinking is such a high, like, like literally like a high, your 
going to have a harder time identifying like what's fun still because like to your body, like that dopamine high is going to be the most appealing of the options. So I do think it's really important to know like whatever your relationship is with alcohol, things that are like finding other ways to play might not feel the same amount of like joy as something like drinking or like other things would bring you because it's like kind of artificial. And I feel like it's also important to find like real ways that you're like making happy hormones on your own and like doing it naturally. And I think that's a big thing I've realized like with my break is that things are fun. Things that are fun are like less than what I thought they were. Like I was always chasing this like dopamine high and it's Mm -hmm. like, you don't need to be like feeling drunk constantly to feel like good. And so I think that's also important to know. I think that can also come from like, so one, it's a, I feel like similar with like diet culture, instead of talking about like getting rid of, like you don't need to get rid of the time that you like get, getting rid of a Friday night out with your friends, but think about how mm-hmm. can you add more. And when you start to add more of these things into your life, you'll probably start to want to make less time for yeah. like, I mean, I still like to have a drink, but I don't like to binge drink necessarily because that like takes up too much of my time. And then I stop doing things like that are more fun. And so it's mm-hmm. like thinking about how can you add instead of being like, take away, take away. I can't have this. I can't have that. Like if you start to add more, you'll like naturally find yourself in your own balance. And also I think that dopamine threshold, we have so much control over that. If you just also take time away from your phone and from screens and from social media, the way that that impacts our dopamine systems is very scary. And if you even just take like 20 minutes a day to go on a walk without anything, no music, no podcast, no nothing, or like in your drive, have no music, no nothing, like you'll start to feel that smaller moments bring you a lot more joy, even just from something that simple. Because the yeah. amount of dopamine that we get from looking at our screen is terrifying. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's a I think those are my two little tidbits on that on the dopamine yeah. point. Dopamine is For fucking sure. crazy. And that's and reading that dopamine book, it's like, wow, this is why I do literally everything in my entire life. And that is scary, but it's a very a very it's powerful to know because you can like hack yourself into doing things that you've always wanted to do mm-hmm. if you learn yeah. how to manipulate it in a way. If you understand, yeah, how it works. Yeah. And then I also have a little thing on, you know, if you don't have time, if you don't know how to make time for like maybe a two-hour class or like a certain length, if you only have like a 10-minute break in between a meeting and your workday, like there are little ways that you could bring play into your life and like little micro play sessions is what he calls it. <laughs> like if you're someone who's more like a joker, you can, you know, Google a funny video and like watch something funny on a break or, you know, like play a little prank on your roommate or your coworker, like something small like that. Or if you're like a kinesthete, you can go for a walk or maybe dance around in your room for a few minutes. Like, or if you're like a competitor, maybe you have like an app on your phone that you like to play like a little game of for like 10 or 15 minutes. Um, this one I don't agree with. He said, if you're a director, you could like organize files. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe I'm just not a director, but I don't know. <laughs> that sounds so playful. 
So he said you could organize files. Um, a collector, maybe you can like keep a list of links or resources for like whatever thing that you love collecting and like kind of make a little to-do list on what your next mission to collect something is or what your next thing you're going to buy for your collection is. If you're like an artist, maybe you could doodle something. Um, if you're a storyteller, you could just daydream for a little like these are I feel like these are things that we just don't do anymore because the second that I have a free moment or the second that I'm bored I look at my phone Mm -hmm. and so it's like there are little things that we can do that aren't looking at our phone that can bring us joy yeah for sure I it kind of made me think of like when you first started talking about it like the office and just thinking like the show and thinking about like Jim and like Pam, like playing pranks on Dwight. And I feel like as like, I don't know, they don't need to like, like our life is not a show, but there are a lot of examples of them like finding play in little breaks mm-hmm. in their work. And it's like a really, a good model for that. And like think- Pam always doodles and like they had those like competition games, one of the episodes, mm-hmm. like, yeah. And maybe, maybe if you don't, you know, want to like play a prank on someone, maybe you could organize like a work event that's like a playful engagement sort of thing, maybe, you know, where it involves something fun and playful. If you don't feel comfortable playing a prank on someone, maybe you can be an organizer of like a fun team lunch that you guys like all sit at and talk at and like maybe you play a game at. Like I, there's, it doesn't, I can see how some people might think like, oh, that's, I would never play a prank on someone, but it doesn't need to necessarily be that. Like, and also if you're not going to play a prank, maybe not a joker, maybe that's not your play style. Mm -hmm. Totally. (laughs) Totally. But but yeah, that was what I had. That's what I put together. I love it. That was such a fun learning. And like I learned so much. And I just think that that is so important to know how you can enjoy your life more. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people our age are kind of like, okay, I need to add more of something into my life. But like I can't identify what it is. And I feel like it could be this. Like it could just be play. You just like need more time where you're just enjoying the passage of time. <laughs> like, um, Being lost, doing something fun. Like I, I try to think about the la- the times in my last like five years or when I just like lost track of time and like mm-hmm. comparing that to, you know, my younger self, I lost track of time a lot more in high school and when I was a kid than I do now. And it's so and those times are like the times I feel most alive when I'm like not thinking about anything. I'm just present. And so kind of thinking about that make, makes me inspired to like seek out more, more play, more fun. And this is fun. This is mm-hmm. one of our fun things for the mm-hmm. year. Listener reminder that we are going to buy your coffee if you write us a review, post on your story or tag friends in our newest Instagram. And yeah, just send us the proof. Obviously, if it's on Instagram, we'll see it. But like, if you write a review, send us a, a screenshot, and then we'll enter you in a giveaway to buy your coffee. Um, And yeah, I think that's all from us.